Welcome back to Talk and Shopify, the e-commerce strategy podcast for businesses serious about growing their brands. Brought to you by Zyber, New Zealand's leading e-commerce experts and Shopify Plus partner, we'll be here every week with a new episode to help you uncover the secrets to scaling your business for long-term growth. We'll share our knowledge and insider tips with the help of some amazing industry guests. Let's talk shop. Mate, I think we're alive. How are you? I am very well. Awesome. That's good to hear. You sound a little bit nasally. Do I? Yeah, just a tiny little bit. Yeah, it might be okay. because I uh, had COVID uh, last week. Yeah. Uh, that was a good experience. Yeah, did you like me this morning? Did you do a rat test before you came I to did, work this I morning? I did do a rat test. The line has finally gone, <laughs> but uh, I was locked up in my room. I had uh, food delivered to my room with a secret knock at the door to go and grab it and just chill out. It was nice. great. For your own little get away it was my little getaway upstairs it was nice nice hey guys uh, you're probably hearing this so welcome to another episode um we are super stoked today to have a very special guest who we've had a very long-standing relationship with and um it's quite new well i wouldn't say new but um you know, it's quite exciting for us because, you know, as part of this convoluted e-commerce world that we live in into, uh, today, uh, it can be really hard to sometimes go, what, where, how, who, when, et cetera. And you can't ever know everything about everything, right? And just when you do, everything changes. Mm. So we're super stoked to get Jeffrey Atizado from SMB Consultant, CEO, on the show with us today, guys. Say hi. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me on, guys. No worries. Thanks for coming on. I guess uh, to kick things off, we kind of want to know a little bit about you and a little bit about what does SMB Consulting do so people know exactly what this episode is going to be about. Well, we're part of a new breed of consultants, which we coined cloud integrators. And uh, it's quite an interesting story about how that came about, uh, because my background is in retail, actually. When I moved to Australia, um, I, was, I got involved with Apple very early on. So I managed an Apple premium reseller. Mm. And at the time, we were um, we were experiencing a really interesting time in retail where, you know, Apple was the first to sort of abolish the cashiers and they were the first to start taking payments on iPods. Everybody remembers that that customer experience and um, working in an Apple shop. It was a, a really interesting opportunity because retailers wanted to have the shiny Mac uh, on their desktop. No, I'm, I'm and doing they, yeah, you know, they wanted to get rid of the old cash shredder, the old chiching machine. And uh, uh, we saw that as an opportunity um, because in that we were forcing extinction, being an, a premium reseller during those days. Um, Apple hadn't opened up any of their big um, flagship stores yet in Australia. Okay, yeah. And we knew that um, when Apple did open up their flagship stores, it'd be very hard to compete with them uh, at a retail level. You know, they just had unlimited resources and, of course, you know, the beautiful... Uh, retail space. So we saw an opportunity. We put in a point of sale system at the time called Lightspeed, uh, which was sort of the very first uh, point of sale that ran on a Mac. And it had a very shiny, beautiful looking iTunes interface. So if you mm. remember back then, iTunes was very big with, yeah. with uh, the iPod um, and, and managing your music, your digital files online. So to get an iTunes point of sale customer experience was really groundbreaking. And it, and it really made for retailers to, um, I guess, offer that sort of very slick retail customer experience. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to take away from what you're about to say, but just to frame it a little bit, what year are we talking here? 
Well, I would say this is starting around 2006, 2007. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, so it's going back a while. Nice. And, you know, in that time, if you remember, 2008 was when the iPod, uh, mm. sorry, iPhone was actually launched. Yeah. The very first, so we did the very first iPhone launch. And then shortly after was iPad. Mm. And so we started putting in Lightspeed into retailers um, just as a way to replace cash registers. And um, they were actually one of the very first companies. I think their claim to fame back in that those days was um, one, being able to take that mobile purchase. So they, they, they had um, a casing that used to wrap around the iPod. And we, we were the ones trying to emulate that Apple experience in retail shops, which was very cool at the time. Uh, and the second thing they did was they were the very first to introduce uh, an integrated online store to the point of sale. So it was the very first introduction to integration. And, um, you know, back then trying to manage just an online store and, an, and a retail shop was very cumbersome and time consuming. Uh, it still is today. Um, but many people were just running those as almost like two separate businesses. So having a product that could sort of offer that synchronization was groundbreaking at the time. Um, then the iPad came out and we kind of walked into this, you know, not knowing how much disruption the iPad would make in the business space mm. uh, because it all of a sudden really cut down the amount of hardware that you could have uh, at, at a shop. And more importantly, it moved everything to the cloud, right? So, uh, the cloud started becoming more commercially available uh, to the consumer uh, around 2010. And um, we saw there were other retail products like Vend at the time that was really a point of sale system that was natively in the cloud. And this was groundbreaking as well because um, them being based in New Zealand, they had a very close uh, knit tie to zero, the accounting platform. Yeah, and there's a few people like we, I don't know if you've seen the episode, but we've had a few people in this off, in this uh, studio where they've worked for both Vend and Zero. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a very incestuous community, I would, I would say. That, you know, people sort of move around uh, uh, in those circles. And, and, you know, we've been fortunate to be sort of part of that from the very, uh, from the grassroots. Um, and I guess the important thing about that relationship is that them both being um, born out of New Zealand and both being native cloud apps, um, they started an, an integration. They're so and Zero were very tightly integrated with one another. And we started to immediately see the benefits of integrating the accounting package uh, with the point of sale and the inventory and the amount of time that it could reduce and, and, and how much better the data could be. So we started, that was, I guess, the birth of what we, we started to call um, this new breed of consultant, which is a cloud integrator. Uh, it was actually, the, the term was coined by the, um, the managing director at, of Zero at the time, Chris Ridd, and the former uh, managing director, uh, Trent Innes, who just resigned. Uh, they came to our office in Surrey Hills and, and they said, you know, we've heard so many great things about what you guys are doing. Uh, in the space, uh, tell us what you do. And I, and I, I sort of showed them how Zero was integrated with Venn and how Shopify was integrated with Venn and gave them this sort of real-time integration demo. And they were just blown away. They were like, oh my God, like we had been talking about integration, but we had never really seen it working in Live, action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they, they said, listen, you know, we need to, we need to promote you guys. We need to, you guys are not competitors to our partners. You're actually, You're you know, advocates. Yeah. yeah. You, you complement uh, what, what they do. So we need to 
call you cloud integrators because you know you you do something very different to what everybody else does out there you're not a bookkeeper you're not an accountant uh, but you play a very vital role in our ecosystem because you're helping to bring this um, integrated um, um, pool of apps together. Yeah. So that's how how the word cloud integrators were born. And um, you know, from that day forward, we were uh, we became a very um, close partner of of Zero, and we helped shape the whole channel within Zero. They they've really uh, helped us sort of educate uh, the market. And you know, whenever I hear the word cloud integrator. Um, you know, used in conversation, I get a bit teary-eyed. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's come from you know the work that we did in the early days, and it's amazing. And sort of you should trademark, make some money. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of the good old days, and I'm actually referencing back here quickly to, and this is related to zero when we were talking about share prices. And I think I mentioned that I think like 2012, my partner at the time came home and she said, "Oh, our uni teacher said we need to buy these zero shares." Mm. And um, so I had a quick look at the timeline and what we mentioned in that episode. It was like three dollars. Right. is now a hundred dollars. Oh, there anyway, you go. Anyway, things move. Just bring it back around. There you yeah. go. But I, I guess, yeah, Jeffrey, um, it's amazing because what you've just mentioned, I think a lot of business owners don't know about, you know, cloud integration or or who who to go to talk to. And I think an experience that Waldo and I have had for many years with a lot of merchants is they see us as the e-commerce guys. And so then they expect that we actually know Zero, Ven, Sin7, Dear, you know, I can go on and on inside and out mm. you know and and our expertise is we're actually really good at making sure you're on the right platform like shopify mm. and then making sure that you are really generating more revenue and your overheads are low but it comes to a boundary where suddenly you know we say since seven might be good and work with us but we we don't go that that far and this is i guess where SMB comes in mm. and goes, we can take the reins from here and really find out if Sense 7 or Deer is right for this client. Well, I think that, that that's the key message there as well is because they might come to us and say, yeah, cool. So I've got, you know, X, Y, and Z. And on the website, they all say they integrate with they each do. other. Don't and they I just think, plug and play? I think it's a consumer mentality that if there is a paid for service available online and it is written there that it works, it's kind of like a feature and benefit list, right? When you look mm -hmm. at, let's talk about Apple, like a phone, right? These are the features, these are the, but they don't actually, like there's, there's nothing, this is how does this integrate? What's the impact of that on your business, mm -hmm. et cetera. I don't want to jump the gun here, but um, I, I just, that I think that consumer mentality is important here because when people read from a list of it cans and can'ts, then they just think I'm paying for this. It should be able to be done and it should be able to be done straight well, maybe away. Let's throw that at Jeffrey, like do a lot of, uh, merchants or business owners come to you with that intention of thinking, well, surely it's just plug and play. Like, why are we having all these conversations? Yeah, I mean, it's not their fault. I mean, a lot of them go online. And, you know, what we found is that in the early days, we used to start a conversation with the point of sale because that was all of always our, the center of our ecosystem. You know, for you, it would have been Shopify, but for us, it was always point of sale. That's where we came from. And then we would have to introduce these add-ons like Shopify and Zero. But as we as we later found out that, um, and as Zero started to get more traction, like Zero ended up being the sort of thing that allowed people to get their foot in the door with with cloud apps. 
And then um, because Zero was working great and, and, and they were getting a good customer experience, they all of a sudden did their own online research and they were just searching for that Zero logo under the integration tab. And it was like <laughs> instant endorsement. It's like, you know, yeah. they could see the light at the end of the tunnel and it was, this was the solution, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and the ecosystem of apps just grew so quickly at a pace that no one really um, sort of could, could um, they, they didn't really know the monster that they were creating. It just sort of morphed on its own. And we actually have a term for that where, you know, clients sort of have gone out and, you know, acquired all these apps and just, into, you know, integrated them uh, without much uh, intention. We call it Franken apps. Franken um, apps, love it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we, we, we kind of coined that term because it's, it's like, it's this sort of solution of apps that has just sort of been mashed together. And it's just, mm. people have acquired this through this, you know, it's trying to solve this problem. And it's a, a bunch of band-aided um, solutions put together, but nothing's really working correctly. So we see a lot of that. Um, and, you know, we don't really know what's going to be their sort of entry point into cloud, but we know that once they start out, it might be Shopify, you know, maybe they start an online store and then quickly they realize they need to link it to accounting or they need to have inventory management. It's a very agile way that people are getting into cloud technology. And unless they sort of do any careful planning, um, they can often make a mess of it. And I guess I have a, an analogy that I try to use to explain it to customers that help simplify it. It's like if you're trying to build a house, um, you have different people that do different jobs. There's, you've got a plumber, you've got an electrician, and you've got a chippy, right? And they all play a role in building the house. Um, and they're all very good at what they do, but you can't ask a plumber to do what the chippy's supposed to do and vice versa, uh -huh. right? So, um, you know, we all play a role. If you look at the trifecta of, of partners that we generally work within, uh, we've got yourselves doing the e-commerce side of things. You've got ourselves, which does the inventory management and stock movements and purchasing. And then you've got the accountant and the bookkeeper, which manages the finances. Mm -hmm. And the old world, um, a business owner would be really typically speaking to these people independently and going to them seeking different advice. Um, and now, because all these apps are integrated, they're, they still need to have these necessary partners, but they need to be advising with each other to making sure that the, the workflows that, that spill over into each, other, each other's um, bucket uh, are, are working correctly. You know? So if I give an example, you guys would be looking after front end experience, you know, customer experience, and you might be looking at ways to, to optimize checkout and make it easy for a customer to shop. But that has to flow down to the inventory management system in terms of how do we track the stock? How do we track payments? Um, how do we display the correct prices without, you know, duplicating products? And sometimes, you know, when clients are going and they're going to their service providers individually, they're only looking at the solution through their lens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, and that's not their fault. That's their their tool of choice. That's their, their you know, the way that they want to try to solve the problem. But what we're trying to advocate and through great partnerships like we have with yours is to work together, you know, to pool our experience and and, you know, to to understand these workflows that do spill over into each other's buckets and find solutions together so that, you know, the client isn't feeling like they're the meat in the sandwich. Mm. Exactly. And I mean, on that note, you know, people don't often know whether a certain app is going to actually work for their business. And so they'll strike a relationship with somebody that they believe is the authority on it or they trust, you know, they build a, a relationship with. Um, and I think some of the things that happen from that is they never actually 100% sure whether that's going to work for their business. So 
what are some of the things you guys do early on with these customers to actually figure out or advise to which direction they should be going there? Because I, yeah, I see on your screen question. as well, and for those watching, you'll be able to see like there's Sin7, DFN, Shopify Zero, Stocktrim, Float, Airwallex, Pinch, Chaser. And I think sometimes merchants, well, this is the impression I get. They're like, this is just too much. I want someone to figure it out for me. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. So we do something, we've evolved our, our process and we take a very consultative approach. Um, so first and foremost, we've always been platform agnostic um, and we, we always try to curate apps that we know that are um, well integrated with other apps that we work with that are well supported in our region um, and that obviously um, ultimately solve a business problem, you know, that no, no other package can do in the same way. Uh, and we've never really found one package that can do it all. I mean, if, if there was, uh, I would it would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> but the reality is, is that, you know, most businesses today will use several different packages uh, to manage different parts of their operation. So it's trying to understand, well, which ones are the right ones? And when you combine these packages together, how do these work? What are the workflows that will, um, how will they, how do you need, how do you define the workflows that will, work across all these different programs. And I think that's where uh, a lot of businesses um, don't get enough uh, advice mm. is when they work from, when they move from a, a business model where ultimately all these packages were separate and their workflows that were defined in the business um, work separately, they don't often think about, well, how am I going to do this when in Shopify is integrated to Sin7, for example. Mm. So we do a scoping session which is ultimately, um, you know, in my 10 plus years of doing this, I've worked with a lot of different businesses, but they all, they are all unique, you know, even though they might have this, be in the same industry or selling the same type of product, same amount of turnover, same stuff. Inherently, it's the people that work within the business and the way that they're, and the tools that they're currently using that make each business unique. And you need to take the time to ask the business owner how they work and what are the inherent problems that you know keep them up at night and take up the most amount of their time um, to be able to factor that into a recommendation? So I think the first step for us is a scoping session, uh, and we try to you know scratch underneath the surface and ask those questions like you know tell us how you do purchasing or, or you know what takes the most amount of your time or what are the type of things that you wish you had because some business owners are just so used to working within the business they don't really know where the efficiencies are. You know, they, they, exactly. they're just used to doing things a certain way and they don't really know that there's a better way. Yeah. So taking the first step is really having a scoping session where we can yeah, scratch beneath the surface, ask those questions and not make any assumptions so that we know what it is that we're ultimately trying to improve upon. Yeah, and I think also sometimes it's important that with those scoping sessions, you it's good to deal with the business owner or you know a key stakeholder directly. But sometimes it's good to have multiple different um, stakeholders within the business there, you know, because you might ask them a question of uh, what happens when you receive an, an e-commerce order. Oh, well, so and so takes the order down there and they just process it. Okay, cool. But tell me a little bit more about that process. Like, what are the key things that you go through? And he's not going to exactly know that because he's not actually, you know, processing these orders. So that might be Leo who's actually doing that. And so getting Leo involved. So just explain to me, like, what do you do from the minute you hit that button and you receive an order? Just tell me about all of that. And I've actually been involved in these scoping sessions with you guys. It's super thorough and um, very, very informative. 
And I can see how you guys ask those real probing questions. Um, no, it's good. There's some, there's definitely questions I've heard in those meetings that I've never asked a merchant because like you said, Jeffrey, our point of view was the Shopify, you know, and, and the user experience and CRO don't, don't get us wrong. Like we still would say, Oh yeah, what inventory software are you using? Because if we are going to move you over, we're going to make sure this is going to work. But yes, I do remember hearing some, uh, some questions about, well, what does your accountant do when there's a chargeback or something? I was like, Ooh, I don't think I've ever asked that no, question and no. then you realize there's a flow-on effect that suddenly we realize this this cloud interface that you got over here doesn't even work if you're going to be going on to shopify plus or whatever you need something else the subscription market is predicted to grow nearly 500 billion dollars by 2025 as a fast-growing area in commerce subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings recharge powers the growth for over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen your brand's relationships with your customers and make it easy for consumers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with the subscriptions payment solutions trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. What I guess my question to you now, Jeffrey, is after this consultation that you've just mentioned and they're serious about really diving in with you, what happens next? Well, we really needed to. So the first thing we do is we we take a lot of notes. I mean, the, the, the notes that we supply after the scoping session are quite detailed because what we've learned in our past is that like implementing a new system is um, it, it takes a lot of uh, planning. And oftentimes uh, the goalposts can change because as, as a client is, when, when you're really trying to implement a system that is uh, outside of the box for them, like an integrated system, um, you're, you're, the, the most difficult thing is change management. Mm. And that change management happens as the customer experiences the software um, and they start to learn more about it. And eventually they start to see the benefits and they start to make adaptations internally happen like in one sitting it happens as they start to experience the software and one of the things we quickly realized um, in the traditional method of implementing software is that if you just go to rush and you know focus on migrating data and then um, you know a lot of software packages if you do direct onboarding with them they use what's called a high velocity onboarding uh, mm -hmm. program you get you get an, an onboarding agent that you know imports your data in and they they put you through a training module do you see to the interface and you know there's nothing wrong with that but when a client when the first time they experience the software is in training they're immediately their reaction is going to be comparing it to their existing yeah. work process yeah you know it's their operating yeah. system they've got an operating system they're used to doing things a particular way and if in if the first time they've experienced that software is in a training session it was often we were finding it's like one step forward, two steps back. Mm. And they were starting to ask questions like, oh, well, you know, that that's not how we do things. And we need a button here or, we, yeah. you know, we need we, we usually print this yeah. off. Yeah. So we thought, let's yeah. let's scale this back. Let's let's give them the opportunity to experience the software before we're actually training them, you know, to, to, to take into consideration the things that they're used to doing and to really, you know, understand what the software can do and the benefits and make them realize what the benefits are so that the, the, there's no 
pushback in terms of change. Mm -hmm. So we introduced a, a sort of intermediate step before we go to onboarding, which is called our workflow acceptance testing workshops. And it's basically like a validation stage. It's a, it's a chance for the business owner to do their due diligence and to sort of um, have uh, a demo environment or sandbox account that sort of emulates um, what a sale would look like, um, you know, how you would actually push something to an online store. Like many of these businesses don't actually, they've never actually seen what it looks like to synchronize products to an online store. No. So they don't place any value on that integration. Like we kind of talk like loosely about integration, but they don't actually know what it means and, and how it's going to save them time and money. Yeah, I'll tell and you what so, they think it means. It means that these two things work together to make my life easier. Yeah. That's what they think. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. And, uh, and then they, they, they make, um, and I don't think they're wrong assumptions. They probably make assumptions that everything's just going to work magically. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, having these workflow acceptance testing workshops um, not only benefits the client, it benefits us as well, because then all of these assumptions that the client makes um, kind of get brought to the surface, you know, they can see it in firsthand. And if they do have any assumptions in the way that it works, we can make sure that we're, we're addressing it early on. And it's not being done in a live environment. I think that's the yeah. key here mm. is that, you know, once you've pushed forward to a go live date, and the clients working in a live environment, it, it puts in an enormous amount of stress on the business owner and the staff. And, and then it's very difficult to achieve positive outcomes when you're working in that sort of environment. And there's no need for it. Right. Um, no business owner wants to have that sort of environment. It's it's, it's costly in terms of time. Um, it's it's bad for the staff. It's bad for the customer. So to have this, I guess, pre onboarding stage um, is really beneficial because it, it really gives us an opportunity to put everything out on the table and say, all right, we're going to walk you through a day in the life of using this new system and sort of show you how we think it should be used in best practice and it might be a bit different to the way that you're you're used to using it but we want to show you why you should change you know and the benefits you're going to get yeah and yeah. and then you can make a final decision on whether or not this solution is right for you or not because we should have flagged any deal breakers if there were any and if there were any workarounds that we've put forward you've seen that firsthand and, and you accept that that's going to be suitable yeah, and this and, will also allow uh, your teams to be able to see it. Like your dispatch team could go, okay, cool. So this is the process that I now need to change from, you know, getting an order here to when it leaves the door. And so seeing it in a live environment is obviously way smarter than just saying, hey, on paper, this is all working. We'll roll it out and then deal with the drama from there. Like you said, that is definitely going to a, leave a sour taste in their mouth because on that day when the new system is in place, you know, they think, oh, we're on a better wicket now. And quite often it takes a little bit of warming up to do so. If you can warm it up before actually doing the cutover, it just makes so much more sense. Yeah, and I think it makes them aware, more aware. It gives them a better understanding as to the, the, the issues that they need to address. And so sometimes we highlight things that they've never even thought about, yeah. you know, um, which is I think most people that go into a scoping session have the understanding that we're just going to ask a few questions and just immediately recommend something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, and, and we're, there you go. Off you go. Yeah, yeah. you know, we're, we're immediately selling and, um, for us, it's helping them make better informed decisions. Yeah. Sometimes the outcome of the scoping session can be that, well, actually what you're looking for isn't what we have, you know, and mm. we're quite happy to make that yep. our recommendation. Um, you know, if, if a client is looking for a unicorn, 
uh, and we don't have it, then they need to know that because then it helps them sort of, I guess, reprioritize what's important to them, you know? Um, and that's very important in, in their process because if no one ever sets the stage in terms of what the software can do, they, the client could have really unrealistic expectations in a software that you can't meet, that neither of us can meet. So I think it's really important um, and that's the approach that we take to have, you know, to be informative, but also to give tough love where it's where it's needed so that the client can ultimately understand and make the, the best informed decisions. Yeah, we try and educate clients that you can't bring old process into new technology, which I think is exactly what you've just explained in the middle step that you're taking and showing them the live environment before it's live. Mm. And at the same time, I also try and say, look, if if this new integration can do 95% of what you need and that last 5% is not a, a big thing and it's not something that you have to do every day and it's you're not going to cost you lots, we'll just take these wins and work out that last 5%. But sometimes, the, like you said, people are looking for that unicorn. Yeah. And I think working with you, we've been able to set a lot of these expectations right from the start and people really understand what they're getting into. Because I think we've downplayed this whole conversation of how important what both of us are doing with clients. We are changing clients' business models. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think we've really mentioned that, you know, and I think clients need to realize that, that you've come to us because we're about to automate. We're about to try and streamline. We're trying to, you know, save overheads and of course, pump out more sales and uh, what we're trying to do. And it's a big change, yeah, you know, and, and, and clients need to understand that. And I think, yeah, I just want to make sure that people listening to this slide, this is a big part of your business. If you're going to be working with us, you've got to be ready to make some changes internally. Yeah, and I mean, I want to actually address, you know, those merchants listening to this out there right now. And that is that for us professionals working in the industry, quite often what we notice or pick up on when people just go, oh, I use Shopify, it's so easy. I set it up all myself. So all these other things are just going to work the same. <laughs> I can tell you now the biggest thing in our industry that creates a headache or hurdles that you need to overcome is scope creep right? And this is just an insurance, well, not an insurance, I hate that word. This is just a stopgap measure that you can put in place beforehand as a business owner to ensure that if you're going to be investing in this change, that you have the best chance to implement the best solution for your business. And making that little bit of an investment to ensure that up front is always going to pay for itself in the long run. Oh, yeah. You don't want to go down the wrong road and uh, install. Didn't you see some client the other day with like 50-something apps right. on their I was, website? I was part of a tech stack review the other day of a customer who is already on Shopify, but there's a lot of business processes that are changing. We're looking to recommend a bunch of new apps to replace older, not-so-good ones, et cetera. And when we were doing this app stack comparison, it was 47. The new solution, like we actually got rid of, they had almost 60 plus apps, right? The new one is 47 apps. So this is a, you know, 10 million plus GMV um, customer. But imagine not just having to worry about Xero, Sin7 and Shopify talking to each other. Imagine having 47 other systems that all need to. And when you start like probing and asking these questions, like how is this all yeah, impacting yeah, each other? Yeah. It's got nothing to do with point of sale and stuff. This is just apps within your Shopify account. Like never mind all the external apps and stuff that's connected to it. It's a, it's a crazy world. It is a crazy world. Um, I have a great slide that I made. Oh, it, was, it was probably six years ago now, but it's still relevant today. This great ecosystem. Oh, I love slide that slide. I took a screenshot yeah. sneakily. The first time I was sneakily. in a shopping session with Here we you, go. I just did a screen cut. Like, and I sent it to Leo. It was the first meeting we ever had with you guys. Um, 
Because I think I found you guys in a way where I was like, there must be someone out there that is at least semi, and I, like this is no no indication on you, but I was thinking to myself, this was my thought process. There must be someone out there that can really affirm that this going with that, with that, with that is better than what you have currently with, you know, da, 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 da. And so that's how I think I found you guys. And then ended up on a call with you guys. Um, and as soon as I saw that, I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to Leo and I said, Leo, the holy grail of integration <laughs> partners is right here. <laughs> yeah, that slides. Yeah, it, it, it definitely got a lot of runtime. And it, I never thought, I actually, it came up, I used it for um, a slide deck when I presented at a ZeroCon. This is going back at, oh, six, seven years ago. So it's, yeah. it's, but it's still relevant. And I never thought it would see, it was, I was presenting people afterwards about it. No, no, it was, oh. it was, I was addressing it was the developer day. So it's gotcha. for developers. Yeah. And I was sort of addressing the fact that, as you said, you know, like back in the day, uh, like six, seven, eight years ago, developers were just looking to do point to point integrations, you yeah. know, zero to vend and uh, vend to Shopify. Yeah. And these devs were just going, they're focused on the data and just trying to create the plumbing. Yeah. And, you know, what they didn't realize is that there was this whole ecosystem of apps that people were connecting all these apps together. And then there would be information that would be shared throughout this whole ecosystem of apps. Like a customer could start a purchase in Shopify and then it could flow through to Venn and then flow through to zero. And developers weren't thinking out that, that they were of the entire ecosystem. So that's how that slide came about. Yes. And uh, I never thought it would see the light of day past that that presentation, but it ended up being carried on several years later to this day where I use it in all of my client presentations because as soon as a client looks at it, their first initial reaction is like, oh my God, look at, yeah. look wow. at what, what is this guy showing me? And it's mm -hmm. overwhelming, right? Yep. And then when they start to look at the different parts, they're like, oh, wait a second, I've got that. Oh, wait a second, I've got that. Oh, and that, that links to that. And they're like, oh, this is actually my business and I'm missing this and I'm missing that. And oh my God, like, Absolutely. yes. Absolutely. So, yeah. Everyone relates to it in a certain way and just to see it sort of visually there. I think well, the impact of it was not lost state. on me. I can tell you that much. Yeah. I'm going to ask the question that every merchant listening to this podcast wants to ask you that's so open and so vague that you okay. probably can't answer it. Yeah. What is the right tech stack? Yeah, Tell me right I now, know. Jeffrey, you must know. Call it part A. If, if, that, if you don't, uh, I don't know if he could answer that. You can't. Let me put it to you this He has way. to know the client. Without upsetting anyone, but please do upset <laughs> someone. What's the, what's the best tech stack to have together? What's Some your ideal? What's like your web, ideal tech website, stack? Website, inventory management. Um, He's going like, to lose some partners with the site. Like point of sale, that sort of thing. What's, what's the best? Tell us. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I I always reserve answering that question with anything specific. Sorry, I'm gonna. Okay, okay. Cookies and cream go really exit. well together. What because goes really said, well with with with? We, we, if I if there was a unicorn and a one size fits all, my life would be a lot easier. Well, it would be know. much easier just yeah. to say this is okay. it. This is the one, right? I can't even but, uh, in my, you would answer I that question. Found that. Okay. And I think it's not yeah, just that so. you answer that question that way. I believe like that is the answer. That's yeah. what people need to understand is that there is no like better. I mean, some apps are better. Some inventory do X, yep. some do okay. Y, and you might need Y and not X. And that is why there's people like Jeffrey here and his team that really help, you know, working with us to make sure our merchants are on the right cloud stack. Yeah, yeah. And, but we do, you know, like we, we, we have so many other apps that Waldo just mentioned. Those other apps are all part of the the e-commerce part 
of mm. what we just talked about, front end and CRO. But of course, there's the but, your applications that we just mentioned, the, the cloud ones that are also very, very important with the inventory and the yeah. accounting you software. Know, sometimes you might have like a back in stock app, or you might have like a particular app that you're using that, um, or a bundling app and that sort of thing. And all of this needs to actually also form part of the scoping, which at a very high level, you won't even think about it. It's something you might only pick up on later. Oh, so, okay, when that bundle is put together and these SKUs need to be pulled and blah, 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 like it just creates those, a whole nother conversation. The SKUs numbers aren't pushing through to the inventory software, so I actually don't know what I sold because the bundle has a different SKU. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all those things can hey, happen. Conscious yeah. of time, I but mean, I really... definitely like... Sorry, there, there are definitely certain packages that we, we work closely with and we recommend them because we've had uh, a lot of experience with them and we know how they will work within businesses. But to, to just, uh, what I do see is a lot of business owners will look to other colleagues or other competitors and they'll say, oh, so-and-so uses this piece of software, so it'll be good for me, yeah, right? And I, I, that's definitely like a good place to start. I mean, if it's working well for someone else, sure. then you should definitely look at it. and. Uh, and I don't blame people for doing that because they're just looking for resource. They're looking for endorsement, right? But mm. um, we we clearly have seen businesses where they're exact same vertical, same industry, selling very similar product, but we've made two different recommendations on software because of what they wanted to achieve, or the people that are working in the business, or you know what's their their uh, ability to use technology and learn learn new technology. You know, just because it's got all the bez bells and whistles doesn't mean that it's going to be a good fit for a client sometimes, you know, maybe like trimming the fat a bit and using something that's a little bit simpler, but, you know, yeah. tackles all of those really high level, low hanging fruit um, problems, business problems is, is a better fit for them. Yeah, absolutely. Good advice. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, just remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Clavio is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up a free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com. That's K-L-A-V-I-O.com. I got a couple of questions for you. That's first one. That's a burning question. I just, this is more like an opinion, or you might have some feedback because you've been around in the industry for a while. But my understanding is, Sin Seven, Deer, Vend, Unleashed, Trade Gecko. If you want to bring them in, I don't think they're called that anymore. Whatever. Um, why are all of these companies out of APAC or out of ANZ? Why did they like? Is there anything that you could like like tell yeah, us? Like, why do you think they all come from here? Like <laughs> crazy. Like it's actually yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, I, I find it bizarre. Um, I, I think it's a combination that there there has been, uh, you know, a great, I think they were very quick to uh, look to cloud as a way to lower, like it, one big thing is the, the demographics of APAC versus North America yeah. are, are significantly different. Like when, and, and that's why like products that work well here, um, you know, in, in North America, a, a retail shop would scale by opening up m like hundreds of retail shops. Real estate is very cheap. Wage expense is really cheap. And so for a business to grow, they need to be able to have uh, presence, right. right? Physical presence. And that's never, ever been the, the, the growth strategy here in APAC. Dating back to the, you know, the GFC taught us that, you know, people could shop online um, and they could buy things cheaper overseas if they wanted to. 
and opening up 50 stores in Australia probably isn't a good idea because of the, the, the cost of rent and mm -hmm. you know yeah. how much it costs to staff it. So we've always been looking towards technology for solutions. Um, and you know, whenever um, we see like the history of of zero and and how it worked very closely with products like Vand and you know Deputy is another one, a staff rostering app that was born here out of Sydney. It's always goes back to the fact that you know we're dealing with small businesses that are like maybe start out as one store and grow to be maybe ten to fifteen stores, but never to the hundred store um, size. You know, we, that's not our space that we work in. And generally, their their way of um, expanding is going to be through online. And in the early days, it was just opening up one online store. But clearly, post COVID, you know, um, people had to make a hard pivot to online, and they started to realize that, you know, we can sell through marketplaces. Marketplaces do very well here in Australia. We can start selling internationally, um, and we can open the door to the way that we do retail, not limiting ourselves to physical. Um, uh, footprint. Mm. So I think the fact that, you know, high rent, the business models, you know, also diversity, you know, not just doing physical bricks and mortar retail, people were doing online, they're doing wholesale, they're doing distribution, maybe manufacturing, they're diversifying their business model. So they need business tools that can also uh, manage those different areas of the business. Whereas in North America, uh, a retail business is a retail business. They generally don't dabble in, in you know, distribution or, or manufacturing. Mm. Those are separate entities. So, yeah, the products here, I think, are more specific to this region and, and the type of problems that we're looking to solve. And now they're being swallowed up by all these large companies. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Lightspeed has uh, has you know grown, and they've just they've acquired Counter, which is a, a hospitality point of sale that we yeah. we worked with in the in the grassroots days, and they they've acquired Vend as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're they're doing a, a lot of big acquisitions. What's your rapid question? Did you have another one? That was that there was, was one, but that, that, there were so many thinking points there. Give me a minute. <laughs> well, I think I think you know um, you know. Merchants listening to this, Jeff, you've given a, a lot of value through it, but maybe as any top tips about someone that's thinking about changing their business model, you know, anything that you can. Oh, uh, oh, oh my, my question oh, yeah. will flow in nicely to that. Oh, okay. One. Well, my, there you my, go. My, I my, thought Waldo well, was about to interrupt my question. No, no, no. no. I think, <laughs> my, I think my question. So in terms of, you must, you must see like a certain type of customer that, you know, I know well, that starts talking to you or is um, introduced to you by a partner like us. Um, what are some of those key things you see those businesses experiencing at the time that they are introduced to you or they come to you directly? Yeah, so I'll, I guess what we've seen um, post-COVID is there's been massive disruption. You know, ten, there's some analysts are saying 10 years of, of, of uh, innovation, you know, in, in the last two years. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we've always been pushing for that innovation, but people were forced into it, you know, closing their bricks and mortar locations, they had to go online. And, you know, I think the initial thing for businesses that were, um, we saw three types of clients, ones that weren't able to do the pivot and they just were sort of stuck in the mud. It was too little, too late. Uh, ones that were already online um, or, or were able to transition and they're now struggling to get an online store up and running and they're learning, learning how to, you know, offer click and collect, how to synchronize their to their online store, sort of uh, early e-commerce. 
And then they're the ones that were already online and then doubled down online. And then they started to see a massive shift in their revenue from, you know, let's say 80% uh, bricks and mortar to a flipping where you know went to 80 or 90 percent i love that word yeah mm-hmm. yeah and um so you know people were frantically just trying to open up business channels trying to get revenue in however they could oh we can sell on this marketplace we can you know put our product there and just trying to make sales i mean the last two years was just about trying to make manage cash flow so I think what we're seeing now is the downflow effect of that pivot, which is people have opened up all these sales channels, but now they're dealing with stock constraints. You know, they're, they're, they've got, you know, clients that want the product, but they can't get the product in. So how do they deal with that problem? Um, how do they deal with actual stock management or actually, uh, you know, warehousing their product in a, in, a, in a warehouse or in a third party logistics provider? Um, how do they fulfill uh, products efficiently and keep that client experience up to date. And, you know, obviously post COVID, the, the expectation now in online delivery is, is through the roof. You know, yeah, consumers absolutely. Is absolutely dictating now what the expectation is. Um, and the other one is like, you know, now dealing with, with um, demand forecasting, you know, how do you deal with um, making good purchase decisions when the last two years of your transaction history is all over the shop. Yeah. Mm. You know, businesses are starting to just look at how the dust is settling post COVID and go, okay, well, I can't look at any of my data and use the typical business acumen that I know about my business because that just got thrown out the door. So I need actual concrete data to look at so that I can make adjustments as necessary. And I think these are the these are the exciting things. Uh, loyalty marketing. I think that's another area where one thing COVID taught us is that you know our our existing customers, the community, and the and the culture that we build as a brand as a business are the ones that got us through COVID. Yep, I mean Agreed. we absolutely learned that. Um, you know we we absolutely had to look at our own customers and go you know. Are we doing a good job? Are these clients going to be recommending us? You know, are the, these are the ones that are going to be pushing us through and weathering the storm. Yeah, and they're so, your advocates yeah. as well. They will go out there and say, exactly, it's Jeffrey and the team. Yeah. It's why we've been with them from day one. We went through very similar thing. And, you know, we're, we're very, very lucky to have some amazing brands um, that, you know, stick with us. And we it's a partnership and uh, it's a win-win. Um, but yeah, interesting about forecasting and it's, it's so different from last year and the year before. And, uh, I'm, you know, as a business owner, I'm in the same boat too, looking at things going, Ooh, what's going to happen over here. This looks good. This may not be. So it's really interesting times. Man, you're so nasally. I can't help. Oh, you. I'm sorry. I love it. How about we just finish there? <laughs> no, right? no, no. I was just going to say, I mean, if you're a merchant out there and you are listening to this and you've had some, if you, you know, you've assimilated with some of the stuff that you've just heard, um, and you've, you know, your business is growing and you think you that they you've heard about these tools that might make your life easier. Don't just jump into the deep end, learn how to swim first and potentially touch base with a company like SMB consultants, who, by the way, quick plug, if you go to their website, you can actually uh, set up a 15 minute um, introduction call, um, like a high level scoping call just for them to yeah. meet and greet, understand who your business is, see if it's a good fit for you. If you're at that stage of the business, et cetera, one thing I can tell you is these guys will be 100% honest with you. 
um, and take you on that journey. And it is really a journey that you, should, you know, if, if you are at that stage, you should be ready for. You said people that are growing. It could be people that have just stalled, you know, because these well, guys might find Y and just yeah. go, well, you're, you're doing everything yourself and you can automate it with X, Y, and yeah, Z. No, so, sure. yeah. Or absolutely. if you've got some historic, um, you know, systems internally that you know causes problems and you've heard about changing it. What's wrong with my bite DOS system? You know, I bite, still bite use DOS. Bullet. Yeah, yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's yeah. really good. Yeah, I think like, you know, change is good. I, I, it's It's been, I guess, one of the the main points of my business is always being ahead of technology, disruption and innovation. And, you know, um, being at, the, at that forefront, wherever there's change, there's opportunity. And uh, that's what I love about this tech space is it's, it's always sort of changing and evolving and knowing where to be at the right time. It's, there's an absolute opportunity and it's exciting, but, you know, learn from people that have experience and that can guide you through it. Because, um, you know, if you're, if you're trying to do it alone or you're trying to sort of piece this together yourself and you don't have good partners like yourself and they all have different initiatives and they're not aligned, it can be very time consuming. So, you know, we're, we're here to help and, um, you know, the partnership we have with you guys is fantastic because we all know what we do and what we can contribute to helping the client and we don't get our lines crossed. And that really um, puts the client at ease, you know, because they all know it's it's like having, like I said, have building a house and having all your contractors working together and they're going to build, you know, that perfect dream home for the, for you. I Beautiful. I think that was a perfect ending. Absolutely. Yeah. Was there, I mean, was there any other top tips or <laughs> any other thing that you want to leave the audience with today? Cause I think that was excellent. No, I think that's good. Perfect. That's Beautiful. Good. Guys, right. while you're there and you're checking out the SMB link below in the comments, hit the like button, share this with people who you want to share it with. Leave us a comment about what you thought about the episode. We love reading feedback. Um, you know, if you want to hear anything else, if you want to contact uh, SMB consultants directly, if you want to talk to me about something before we talk to them, by all means, we're, you know, we're happy to approach this in any way that suits you. And um, I mean, on that note, really just want to thank you for your time, Jeffrey. Really appreciate it. Love the relationship. Yeah, thanks we have and we will be having for many years going forward thank you all right catch you guys next week